uh, I've asked uh, uh, a man to uh, deliver the message this weekend who uh, really incarnates what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. We've been talking about uh, unanswered prayer and the problem of unanswered prayer and how do we make sense of unanswered prayer. Uh, Scott Abbott is a man who's been coming to our church for about a year. Uh, I've gotten to know him. Uh, he's had decades of ministry experience, teaching experience, and, and he lives the, the issue that we've been talking about. And uh, so I've asked him to come and uh, deliver the, the word and some, his life, some of his life experiences here this weekend. So please give a warm Wooden Hills welcome to Scott Abbott. Good, mo- good morning. Uh, my name is Scott Abbott, and uh, uh, I'm just very glad to be here, be here with you this morning and share with you the word. Before we uh, do that, though, I'd like the band to come, and we're going we're gonna to try and sing a tune. I've been very sick this past week. In fact, I was not able to be here this last, to preach last night, but I've been able to be here this morning. So you'll, you'll forgive that, but uh, this song is, I Know You Love Me, and That's Enough. what you're doing with me I may not always understand when the road gets rough but I know you love me that's enough Lord I've never known a friend faithful as you I trust you as a pilot of my soul So when the storm arises and I can't see my way through I just keep on smiling confident that you are in control Well yes I know you're in control I may not know the meaning Everything I see May not always know just what you're doing with me May not always understand when the road gets rough But I know you love me That's enough Lord, I must confess sometimes I feel so confused And life is like a song without a rhyme But in those times I've learned to leave The worrying to you And I just keep on singing Believing that I'll understand in time I know your ways are so much higher than mine. 
understand when the road gets rough but I know you love me yes I know you love me that's enough phrase there, I know you love me, and that's enough. Sometimes that's what we have to cling to. Uh, a little bit about myself. Um, that's not about me. I've been married 16 years to the, my the most wonderful wife in the world, my wife Michelle. Um, give her a hand, yeah. Sure. And I have the two most beautiful, talented, intelligent, gifted, fabulous daughters on the whole planet. I'm I'm really sorry what happened to your kids, you know, but mine are great. I love them and. If you'd like to meet them after the service, we'll all be out at the, the table in the back. I've got a couple of CDs out there. I wanted to mention that before I forgot that. And also, uh, if you're listening on the, iP- uh, on the podcast, scottabbott.org. Just throw that in there. But I have been traveling in the ministry for over 22 years, traveling and sharing my testimony, speaking and singing, sharing the love of Jesus, talking about life's difficulties. I have muscular dystrophy. That's what the wheelchair is for. It's a situation that I was born with. It is a progressive neuromuscular disease. And all that means is that it has and is and will continue to weaken my body until the Lord does one of three things in my life. Either the Lord heals me I got an amen over here. I like that. Let's try it again. Either the Lord heals me. I believe in healing. I believe in miracles. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. But either the Lord heals me or I go to see him or he comes and gets me. (laughs) One of those has to take place or I'm going to be in this chair for a while. When I was a little guy uh, growing up here in Minnesota... Um, I was a pretty normal kid. I rode my bike, I climbed trees, I played baseball and hockey and, and ran around and did all the things little boys do. I had a bit of a, a limp. I, had a, I was a little weaker than the other kids. Couldn't run as fast. Um, but other than that, I lived a pretty normal little guy life. As I grew in age, the disease grew in my body as well. I got into high school and things changed considerably. 
Walking became more difficult and labored. Getting up and down curbs, uh, steps, things like that became very difficult. I graduated from high school, went on to Bible college. And while I was in college, my body changed even more to the point where I started walking with a cane. Getting up a set of stairs became impossible. Um, Walking became extremely dangerous and difficult. I graduated from college, went out into the ministry, and uh, I started using a three-wheeled scooter, the little carts you see people using. I wore the wheels off of three of those, and about 10 years ago, got a, a wheelchair. This is my second one. It's about that time that I woke up one day and I turned to my wife, took her by the hand, and we prayed together. We shed a tear together, and uh, we decided together that that would be the last day that I would stand and walk. Walking had become very difficult. I could still do it, but leaning completely on her arms, I could get out of bed and walk to the wheelchair, and that'd be about it. And uh, it just was becoming too difficult. So we decided that we'll just call it quits here and mark it on the calendar, and tomorrow we won't do this again. And I've been seated ever since. I am... I, like I said, I, I've been in the ministry for the last 22 years. The last six years of that, I was, uh, have been, had been, prior to coming here to Woodland Hills, uh, the worship pastor over at Summit Church in St. Paul. The Lord has taught me a lot of things living with a disability like this. The number one thing that he's taught me is that I don't know much. I don't know why I'm not healed. I don't know why some prayers are answered and other prayers aren't. I don't know why some people are healed and others aren't. I don't have answers. But I have learned a few things uh, about living with a disability and living with a situation that has remained unanswered. Greg uh, did such a great job the last couple of weeks um, talking about prayer and and why we face these kinds of issues, why things are answered, some are answered and others aren't. And uh, he mentioned uh, in in the first week of of his sermons about how sometimes we as Christians uh, will say things to other believers that are going through difficult situations in their lives, platitudes or phrases or words that with the best of intent and with the best of heart, um, oftentimes cause pain anyway, and unintentional pain. And I, that really rung true to me because I have experienced pretty much every one of those that he mentioned that day. And so I thought I'd go through a few of them with you this morning. The first one that I thought of was, if you only had enough faith, Scott, God would heal you. Now that... That always bothered me because the truth of the matter is, I really feel like I've got a lot of faith. I feel like I believe in a miracle-working God. I believe in his hand of intervention in our lives. I have seen God work miracles. He's worked them in my life. I believe in a miracle-working God. 
So then the question becomes, how much faith is enough faith? And that seems kind of arbitrary. You know, at what point do we reach that enough faith, faith level? You know, today I'm not feeling very faithful. Um, so maybe tomorrow I'll feel very, I'll be all spiritual and faithful tomorrow. And, and so if I could like stockpile today's with tomorrow's and put all that faith together, then maybe on the third day I'll have enough faith. And ta-da, here it is, I have enough faith now. And that just doesn't make any sense to me. It makes no sense that the Bible says that we need the faith of a mustard seed. Well, the faith the size of a mustard seed. I, I pretty much got that covered. I, I, I have that much faith. <laughs> so saying that I didn't have enough faith, or that for some unknown reason, that the faith I did have maybe wasn't good enough, that didn't sound like Jesus to me. It sounds almost... It sounded almost mean. There's another one that people say, there must be some sin in your life that is preventing God from healing you. Well, let's think about that. I was born with muscular dystrophy. And I can't think of one sin that I committed in utero (laughs) that was bad enough or evil enough in some way for God to give me a lifelong disease, then wait for me to figure out what that sin was, and then heal me after I confessed it. I have sinned. I do sin. We all do. But that makes us sinners in need of a Savior. God, I don't think God works that way. God's infinite plan all along, Scott, was to give you muscular dystrophy and then use that for his glory. I kind of have a hard time with that one as well. Jesus is our picture of who God is. If we want to know what God looks like, how God treats people, we look at Jesus. Amen? Did that look or sound like something that Jesus would do? Did Jesus make a habit of teaching people a lesson? by letting them go unhealed. Jesus healed people. And never once did he not heal someone and then let that person think that God had a bigger plan in mind. He simply healed people that came to him. He hurt for people in pain. He didn't cause pain as a means to an end. Then, of course, there's the ever-popular, you haven't prayed enough. This one kind of goes hand in hand with the not enough faith. I have godly parents that have prayed for my healing every day of my life. I have friends and family, ministers, missionaries, pastors, all over the world that have prayed virtually every day of my life that God would heal me. I have prayed countless hours and times that God would heal me. Volumes of prayers have gone up on my behalf. And if by the sheer number of prayers alone we could move the hand of God, then I should be able to stand before you today. I think there's more involved than just if you've prayed enough. 
The last one is my favorite, though. You have a demon of muscular dystrophy. This was my favorite because it just really made no sense to me. The Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's pretty much simple. That's pretty straight ahead. I, uh, I'm telling you, I have had so many people cast the demon of muscular dystrophy out of me. <laughs> for a while there, I was going in for a six-month demon checkup just to make sure, <laughs> sure everything was gone. And I've had, I, I, had, I, had, I had a pastor, after I administered at their church, I had a pastor come up and take me aside and want to cast the demon of muscular dystrophy out of me and I'm serious I wanted to go Linda Blair on him and and it's just just turn and go leave him alone he's mine I, but I'm too nice I couldn't do that So what have I learned? Well, I've learned that there's more involved than just my faith. There's more involved than just my faith. God's working miracles in our lives isn't completely the result of enough prayer or enough faith or enough sinlessness. These are important elements of living a Christ-centered life. But whether prayers are answered or not, based solely on my attaining a certain level of faith, I don't think that's the way it is. Don't, don't misunderstand me here at all this morning. I'm not in any way saying prayers or faith aren't important. They obviously, obviously are, because Jesus placed such a high, high priority, high importance on prayer and on faith. But I'm saying that they're not the only factors involved. If they are, then that means that I'm to blame for my situation because I haven't done enough. I haven't prayed enough. I know those statements not to be not true in my life. I know it's not my fault that I'm where I'm at. There's more involved than just my faith. Conversely, I've learned that there's more involved than just God's will. As you remember, last week, Greg, very quickly, he had to rush through them, uh, went through several factors that are involved in our prayers being answered. Several things that are involved as to why sometimes prayers don't get answered. If I believe that my unanswered prayers are always the result of God's will for my life, then I have to believe that God gave me this disease. That God intended for me to suffer all of my life that he intended to break my parents' heart on the day that my diagnosis was given, that he purposefully intended to fill my life with continual losses and disappointments because he willed it. That's not the God that I see exampled in Jesus. If I believe that God answers our prayers based solely on if it's in his plan or not, it removes my motivation to pray. Why should I pray if the results are already set in stone? If the outcome is going to be what the outcome is, why should I pray? Why should I ask God to miraculously intervene? Jesus clearly teaches us to pray. 
to pray with intensity and to pray with intent for the miracles. So I've learned that there's more involved with healing than it just being God's will. I have learned that there is no formulas or magic phrases that I can use and God will answer my prayer. The minute we try to reduce God to a formula or a magical phrase, we limit his sovereignty. Receiving healing is not about finding the right scripture to stand on, to repeat, to to base our lives on. And, And if we say this scripture ten times every morning and stand on our head and shake our left leg, God's got to do what we tell him to do. God doesn't work that way. Believe me, I've tried to put God in a box. He just doesn't fit. There's so many factors involved as to why God heals or doesn't heal that for me to know and understand them all, I'd have to be omniscient. I'd have to be all-knowing, which I most definitely am not. I've learned that God is bigger than I'm ever going to comprehend. I've come to understand that what I have, as Greg said last week, is a massive ignorance about how this all works. He is God. He is trustworthy. Even when life doesn't make sense, even when it seems that God doesn't make sense, even when prayers go unanswered, he's still God. I've learned that God has the amazing ability to take the ugliness of a broken situation and bring something beautiful out of it. Romans 8:28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. I've learned that even though God didn't cause my situation, he can and does and will use my situation for his glory. God didn't cause my disability. Sin brought disease and sickness into this world. But that doesn't mean that God can't use my disability for his good. He is, in all things, working a good for those who love him. In my life, God has used my, dif- my disability in the 22 years I've been in the ministry in ways that I could never have imagined starting out so long ago. I have seen people healed. I have seen hundreds come to know Jesus over the years. I have seen people, marriages restored. I have seen lives transformed. I've seen faith grow in people who were broken and empty. I've seen God use me as an example at just the right point in someone's life to prevent suicide. I was at a minister's retreat many years ago now. It was a conference, and I was at a restaurant, and this man walked up to me in the restaurant, and he asked me if he could share, uh, share with me his story. And I said, sure. And he sat down, and he started to tell me how he had purchased a cassette of mine many years earlier. And his family loved a particular song on this cassette. And they, uh, they'd listen to it all the time, and they'd sing it, and... And I I said, oh, that's great. Thank you very much. He said, but wait, there's more, Scott. There's more. He said, we were in a car accident. And it was one of those freak, weird car accidents where 
it was a two-lane highway, and there was a flatbed truck, an 18-wheel truck, coming towards us, carrying a load of long, big, huge pipes. And one of the pipes had somehow wiggled free out to the side and was, unbeknownst to the trucker, sticking out almost, almost at, an, at an angle. And when they passed, it collided with their car and uh, killed his wife and his two kids. And he said to me, Scott, <clears throat> at my lowest of points, when I couldn't pray, when I couldn't even cry anymore, when I couldn't talk to God, he said I could push that button on that cassette player. And I played that song over and over and over. And he said that is what kept me connected to God in my recovery time. Now that'll... That'll humble, that'll humble you real quick. And he then turned and introduced me to his new wife and his new child. God used a song that I had written, born out of my pain, to help another brother get through his. I've spent my life helping hurting people realize that God loves them, that they can trust him with their lives, whether he heals or not to look beyond their circumstances, to get their eyes up off of their lives and onto Jesus. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 and 9 says, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. At different times in my life, I have felt all of these emotions. I have felt hard-pressed that the world was pressing in on me and crushing the life out of me. I have felt perplexed and wondered if God knew what he was doing, if wondered if God knew what I was feeling, what I was going through, wondered if I could trust him. I have felt persecuted. I have cried many tears saying, why me? And I have felt struck down. I've felt loss, so many losses. I've lost the ability to walk, to play with my little girls, to hold my wife closely, to play the guitar and the piano, which meant more than, to me than anything. I've lost the ability to simply raise my hands in worship. But in all of this, his word says that we are not crushed. We are not in despair. We will never be abandoned. And we are not destroyed. We can hold tightly to his hand and know that whatever happens, he's working it out for me. His love is real, whether I'm healed or not. His grace is sufficient. But most importantly, I've learned above all else that God loves me. And in that love we find hope. In that love we find peace. A peace that passes our understanding. Peace that goes beyond our ability to understand. 
we have hope and joy and peace in Jesus. One of my very, very favorite stories in the whole Bible is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And quickly, you know the story. You know the guys, the three Hebrew children, they were in a land that wasn't theirs. They were serving under a king that wasn't theirs and didn't serve the true God, Jehovah. And the king set up an idol, said, we're going to worship this. And they said, no, we're not. He said, yes, you are. And they said, no, we're not. He throws them into a fiery furnace. And the miracle takes place. God protects them, brings them out unscathed to the glory of God. What a a great story that is. Because it speaks of the miracle, the miraculous that God does in our lives. But what has always struck me about that story is the faith that these guys had. They stood at the edge of the furnace and they turned to the king and said, you can read it, Daniel 3, verses 17 and 18. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. Now that's faith. To be standing there, about to be burning, and you're saying your God will save you. But if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we'll not serve your God or worship the image of gold you've set up. But if he does not, it doesn't change anything. We're still going to serve God. He, he, he saves us from this furnace. Praise God. Glory to God. We die in a fiery furnace. Praise God. Glory to God. Nothing changes. But if he does not, is exactly where he wants each and every one of us to live our lives. We ask expecting miracles. We ask believing in miracles. We pray to that end. But if he doesn't, work the miracle the way we want him to, or when we want him to, or how we want him to, doesn't change anything. We're still going to trust him. We're still going to cling to him. We're still going to hold to his hand. I'm going to have Dave come. And we're going to, I'm going to sing a song as we close here this morning. I've learned that there's more involved with why God heals and why he doesn't heal than I can understand. I have learned that the world is bigger and more complex than I'm ever going to comprehend. That there's more involved in miracles than just my faith or God having a one and only perfect plan. That there are no pat answers in this life, no formulas, no magic phrases, no pigeonholes that we can stuff God into to make life more understandable. There are going to be things in life that I don't understand. Why do prayers go unanswered? I don't know. But he's God, and he loves me, and he holds me in the palm of his hand. And that's about all I need to know right there. This isn't where I thought I'd be 
These aren't the plans I had laid out for me. Dreams and aspirations, grand expectations, lined the clouds of my childhood fantasies. But now I've seen my share of years. With age comes wisdom, Earned through trials and tears And though time has swept my dreams away Your hand has been my rock My hope, my stay For even though my dreams aren't yours Your promises are real For faith is something that I live not something that I feel There are things that I don't understand But you see farther than I Into the fullness of your plan When all the dreams I've had Crumble like castles made of sand I can rest in the palm of your hand. There are things that I don't understand. You see farther than I into the fullness of your plan. But all the dreams I've had Crumble like castles made of sand I can rest in the palm of your hand Keep me there in the palm of your hand Would you bow your hands with me? Lord, we thank you that we can rest in the palm of your hand. That when all around us, uncertainty, life's shifting sand, on Christ the solid rock we stand. God, I pray right now for those that need a miracle in this place, that you would work that miracle right now by your hand, for your glory, heal bodies, heal marriages, heal finances right now in your name, Jesus. God, I also pray that you would give us what we need, that faith to make it today and say, we trust you, Jesus. We know you love us and that's enough. We know that you are God and that you care about us. We trust you, Jesus. Go with us, Lord, in that. May we live richly in you this week. We ask it in your name. Amen. Would you stand with me? I'm going to have the, the prayer team come forward, and they're going to be around here. And 
If you need to pray with someone about something you've felt during this service, come on down and agree one with another. But I want to leave you with one scripture that has been my scripture for my life. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. Hallelujah. today. Go and be Jesus to people this week. Have a great day.